giant voice. The official podcast of the United States Navy's largest overseas installation, Commander Fleet Activities, Yokosuka. All the information you need to succeed as a forward deployed sailor in Japan. Each week, we tackle one topic and speak to experts who can answer some of your most frequently asked questions. This is the Giant Voice Podcast. Well, all right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Giant Voice Podcast. This is going to be an interesting one. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So, um, uh, Command Master Chief Beachy from uh, Commander Fleet Activities Yokosuka, our own host command here. Um, he had had an idea of maybe getting some Command Master Chiefs together and having some discussions about, you know, topics that affect uh, enlisted sailors. And your Command Master Chief, they're the experts in enlisted sailors, right? That's that's what they're there for. So we're going to do a little two-parter here with a couple different Command Master Chiefs uh, from around Yokosuka. So for this, for uh, part one, we have uh, from SRF Ship Repair Facility, uh, we have Command Master Chief Howell. And we have from a float training group, uh, Westpac, Command Master Chief Velez. Hello, guys. Hello, how are you Hi. doing? Hi, how are you doing? Mm, good. Hey, what's going on? And of course, with me is Master Chief, or Command Master Chief uh, Beachy from um, Commander Fleet Activities Yokosuka. How are you doing, Command Master I'm Chief? I'm doing well. Yeah, you're doing you all right? Know, I'm doing okay. Yeah. Uh, hello to everybody out there. You know, uh, we appreciate you all tuning in and listening to us, you know, on our, on our podcast. It's truly appreciated. Yes, uh, we uh, we were talking the last episode. We did a little uh, kind of hosts only episode, and uh, we were just talking about how thankful we are for the listeners we had. And uh, you know, we kind of made a, a little joke of like originally this was kind of a tasker from PAO, and as we've started doing it, we're having a lot of fun with it, and people are listening, and it, that makes us really happy. So oh, I was going to say this is awesome. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, Captain had this idea a little while ago. You know, him and Randy talked it over. And it was, a, I don't want to say one of those good idea fairies, but, you know, it was one of those things that sprouted into this. And I got to say, you know, I'll be sitting in the office, right? And, you know, when a new episode comes out, I'll pull out my phone, you know, hook it up to my Bluetooth, and I'll press play. And I'll be sitting there doing work, listening to the, right to the podcast. And, you know, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. We've, we've had some cool guests on, and, and we got some neat stuff lined up. I don't want to give anything away right. yet, but we got uh, we got some pretty cool stuff coming up over the next, uh, the next month. So... So yeah, let's let's get right into it. There's a couple different things I wanted to talk about, um, and anybody can chime in on this. Um, you know, you and I were having a little conversation before, just about how uh, you know our our kind of first episode where we talked about sofa a little bit, and uh, you know that's that's kind of the overarching idea, right? But if you want to get down into specifics of of kind of the daily, you know, be a good ambassador stuff. Maybe that be a good ambassador. Maybe it goes over some people's heads. Like to you, what is what does that mean? Be a good ambassador, right? And, and I'm going to put a plug out there for the first episode as well. That was uh, you know our our uh, region commander Admiral Lottie, and he was talking about the sofa. 
So if you haven't listened to that episode, please go back and listen. But yeah, no, the sofa is the overarching thing. Um, and if uh, you want to get down to, you know, brass tacks, right, you want to get down to deck plate level, ground level, you know, I think it all starts with being that good ambassador. And that is one thing that I talk about at every AOBICR that we do is, you know, hey, we need you to be a good ambassador. And then I ask why? Why do we need to be that? You know, and it first, first starts off with, hey, we're not in our own country anymore, right? We are, we are living in someone else's backyard. Right. And then I and and then I go on to tell him, you know, my first CMC tour, uh, I was on one of those big gray floaty things out here in the harbor. Right. And, you know, I came up with three things, you know, three ideals for my sailors to to follow um, whenever we were, you know, in port or out to sea or or in for a port visit. Right. Um, So those three things were one, be responsible two, make good choices. Three, have a plan. You know, and being responsible, that is just as simple as, you know, acting like an adult, taking ownership of our actions. You know, if, if, if we don't want our mom or our grandmother or our father or, or whoever, you know, if we don't want it printed in the newspaper, you know, why would we do such a thing? You know, uh, second, making good choices. And, and I always ask the question, AOB, who who has ever made a bad decision or a bad choice and i'm always the first to raise my hand i make them all the time right so you know and and you you will never ever get to a point where you don't ever make bad choices or decisions but the reason i say that is you know to make us think right and i say us because i still make bad decisions i still make bad choices you know to make us think you know what are the second third fourth order consequences of the decisions and choices we're going to make you know what are some of the good outcomes what could be some of the bad outcomes, right? And then third, having that plan, you know, having a plan, you know, especially one written down, just has, it leads to a greater chance of success for us reaching our goals. And then I provide an example, you know, going out on Liberty or, you know, pulling pulling into a port visit, you know, seeing some things and professional goals, you know. Um, and then after I give them, you know, my three ideals for, for helping us be good ambassadors, I kind of break it down even a little further. And I ask everybody in the audience, you know, and I'm asking everybody listening today, you know, this is something really simple that can help us be a good ambassador, you know, makes it really, really easy. I ask everybody who has ever had a guest over to their house, over to your parents' house, over to your grandparents' house. And then I everybody raises their hands, right? Me included. And then I ask, what are some of the expectations we expect of those guests? And I get some very, I get some crazy answers, right? But we, you know, bottom line, we expect our guests in our house to be on their best behavior. We expect them to follow our house rules, our house policies, you know, so on and so forth. And then, you know, I, I ask them, hey, well, are we the guest or are we the homeowner? Yeah, no, we're the guest. We are literally the guest in someone else's house. So, you know, that's being the ambassador, the good ambassador of the United States. And if you keep that mentality throughout your tour here, you know, that I am a guest in someone else's house and that they could ask me to leave whenever they they want me to leave. Then, you know, and there, there's quite a few people in Japan who would like nothing more than for us to that, leave. That, that is true. There are people who hold that opinion here. It's not the majority opinion, but there are people who absolutely hold that opinion. And so let's not give them any excuse. Right. 
to, you know, make that stereotype about us be true in their minds, you know? Exactly, because every country I've ever pulled into uh, that I've visited, you know, there's always been, it's not a majority viewpoint, just like you said. But but there's always some. There's always some that, you know, we don't want the Americans here, this and that. And early in my career, um, I was stationed at uh, Naval Air Station Keflavik, Iceland. That base has since closed. And, you know, back in... uh, I would say I was stationed there for two years. Um, the older generation of Icelandic, they they loved us because they remember World War II. They remember the Cold War. Yep. You know, and the younger generation's like, why are you here? We don't want you here, so on and so forth. And that base, uh, I, I would say that was probably not the leading cause of why that base was decommed. But. So let me ask you this, right? When we, or for you guys too, right? So... If we talk about like some specifics, like I, I was having a conversation with a guy the other day and he was like, all oh, the Japanese people are still wearing masks. Right. And we're we've shown that like wearing a mask outside, like there's no science for that. It works. And what I said to the guy was, well, there's no scientific reason you need to wear pants outside either. But it's socially accepted that in the United States, we generally wear pants when we go mm-hmm. outside. So. Your personal opinion about them wearing masks is completely irrelevant. The social convention here in this country is you wear a mask. It's a sign you're showing care for other people. So in my opinion, just because we don't have to doesn't mean we shouldn't. Uh, you are absolutely correct. And I mean, that one and, I, and that's how I end my discussion at AOB is, you know, about coronavirus and, and this and that. And, you know, I, I tell them if you happen to be outside the installation gate where there is no mandate for you to wear a mask, nope. um, but you look around and you are the only one not wearing a mask, you know, being that good guest and showing that sign of respect by right. putting your mask on. Oh, my Lord. That, that goes, it so, goes far. so far. Yep. It goes so far, yeah. so far. And, you know, people don't think that being a good ambassador is, is you know, all that important. Uh, I, I would argue that being that good ambassador lays that groundwork and that foundation for the SOFA status that we enjoy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'll jump in here. I've been over here 15 out of 22 years. Forever. Um, ever. Yeah, forever. I love Japan. It's, it's my second home. And... Um, so I, I've seen the, the ebb and flow and COVID was its own thing out here. Certainly. And certainly the Japanese are very socially responsible in uh, maybe the most socially responsible country in the world. And so with that, you get things like very safe society, low crime, great uh, public transportation. Um, Good you know, public cur- services yeah, like healthcare, care, school. Healthcare, school. Uh, kids can walk to, to school when they're in first grade. You really don't have to worry about it, you know. And uh, I've experienced that. I've had kids that walk to their Japanese school in first grade. So you get all these great things as a benefit of this um, this very socially responsible society. But then COVID happens, mm. and everything ramps up: the social distancing, the mask wear, you know, the closures, the lockdowns. Um, in America, uh, we're a little more nimble. Mm with policy and i know some people listening might think that that's crazy <laughs> yeah but compared to japan, compared we to japan are however we are nimble they are and glacial so, compared to us exactly and so when you talk about those social uh socially accepted things right um in japan those those things are going to have they're going to take a lot more time to roll back right because now they are ingrained in the society and the japanese 
trust their government yep. implicitly. And so they'll wait for their government to say, hey, no kidding, you don't have to wear a mask. In fact, we recommend not wearing a mask. Yep. And then they won't. Exactly. Right? But even 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 before COVID, I mean, it was socially acceptable yeah. and, and culturally accepted that if you're sick, you were wearing a mask. 100%. I remember I was back here 100%. 14 to 16, and I would walk out the installation, and I still saw folks, you know, wearing masks. But I think that that's, that's if you've been here as long as I have, that's that's where, even for me, it's like, really, guys? Like, yeah. Come on now. You so, know what I mean? Because, I don't know if you saw the article, but I guess the Japanese government is planning on May. downgrading in it May. in May. Yeah. And yeah. I think at that point, a lot of people will go like, okay. A lot of people want to be there, and yes. they're just waiting for the right time. Yep. You know, and, and uh, not to hunker down on masks. I think it's part, no, no, it's, no, it's no. part of the bigger conversation of being yeah. an ambassador, though, right? And I think that being an ambassador means uh, these kind of micro actions, right? So if I'm out in public, um, I'm on the train, and a lady with a stroller gets on the train, I get up and I give her my seat. Absolutely. Right. Um, if you know somebody drops something on the sidewalk, I pick it up for them and I give it to them. Um, in other words, if you're just a courteous human being, yes, then you are being an ambassador. Oh, by the way, don't be an idiot. <laughs> don't go get blistering drunk and stumble around the streets. Yep, that's being a bad ambassador, right? A funny thing about the the social contract here that's very interesting, right, is if I'm in an izakaya, you will see people, I mean, local nationals behaving as wild as can be. Yeah. The second they walk out that door onto the street, Shoot. it's oh, yeah. over and they're on their best behavior. Yep. And, and so it's a very time and place. Mm -hmm. Nobody's saying that you can't go out and have a couple beers and have a good time, right. but you do it in that environment where it's supposed to have maintain your self-awareness yes, exactly and i think that's another social construct of the japanese culture is you know behind closed doors where we're friends and we're family and you know it's allowed yep. but as soon as you are out in public it is on the best behavior right so with that while we're while we're on the subject um you know srf you guys have a plethora of Japanese yeah. nationals. How how many total ish do you yeah, know at the top of your head? Between here and Sasebo, we've got somewhere in the neighborhood of thirty two to thirty five hundred. Wow. Japanese uh, master labor contractor employees. So, um, a very very large footprint when it comes to employing uh, the Japanese. Um, you know, we talked about this a little bit before we started the podcast. And speaking of SRF. I've been, you know, not to give you my bio or anything, right? But, um, you know, I started down in Sasebo on, on Essex. I rode George Washington for years when I was with the squadron. Uh, Fitzgerald, 11 to 14. McCampbell, uh, 18 to 20. And so I've been a customer of SRF my entire career. Right. And I've had the, the lines and leads, and I've had the ventilation running through my ship and you know, can't get through certain spaces and I can't close hatches to do main space fire drills. And I've had them rig shore power. God knows how many times as I pulled in the wee hours of the morning for in-serve preps. So I've been a customer of SRF my entire career. And when I had the opportunity to be the command master chief at SRF, I jumped on it. Um, yeah, we have a huge uh, Japanese footprint. And so that command is very unique in a sense that, for instance, if you go back to earlier in January, we did our New Year's celebration. And whereas most commands would announce their sailors of the year, their civilians of the year at their Christmas party, 
We do ours at our New Year's celebration. Makes sense. Which is very aligned with the Japanese culture, that Christmas is for opening gifts and then the parents go to work and the kids go to school, yep. right, uh, If in Japanese culture. And so we reflect our um, uh, employee base by doing things that make sense to that employee base, like having a New Year's party. And uh, we'll do a Bonadori in August. Right. Separate from the CFA Bonadori, it's our own Bonadori that we do, uh, where we'll have food booths and we'll have games for the kids. Yeah, I used to go to it because right out the door here, right across the street. Right across the street, yep. And and so I think that uh, the sailors at SRF get a lot of experience with being ambassadors uh, daily at work. And so we do screen who comes to SRF, obviously, especially if you're one of our fleet tech assists. Um, you know, our chiefs are our first classes that go out to help these ships. You have to have a certain level of subject matter expertise or you're not going to get that job. Right. Um, but they practice being an ambassador every day at work. And so then it's easy when they leave the gate because they have those interactions at work. They learn to respect the culture. And so it works out nicely. And then kind of the last thing about SRF, just, uh, I guess, peek behind the curtain is that, you know, we look at all these ships as our ships as much as the fleet commander does. Quite frankly, you know, if my boss, Captain Sexton, I mean, he's Mr. SRF, right? Like he qualified as an EDO at in Yokosuka. He was the diving officer oh, wow. here in Yokosuka as a lieutenant. He was the OIC at our debt down in Sasebo as an 05. And now he's the commanding officer as an 06. And, um, and he knows everything about these ships, about what cycle they're in, about the gear, about the equipment. Uh, he's dove under many of them as a younger guy, right? Uh, not these ships, different ones, but um, yeah, a destroyer and a cruiser all look the same from the bottom, right? Pretty much. <laughs> um, and so, you know, uh, I, I think what I'd like everybody to know is that, um, you know, we take it personal. We take it very uh, personal when we talk about these ships because we know that the work that we do here gets them ready to turn over to Iris and her team and she gets them ready to go out and uh, project power uh, in this AOR, which is really why we're here. Right. So that's a, that's a perfect transition. You're um, welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It's like you've done this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was pretty good. Actually. Very, very, very good. Um, but no, because we also have command master chief Velez here uh, and she's with um, uh, ATG and uh, you know one of the one of the things her and I were talking about before the uh, before we started rolling the podcast today was just generally about like you know when ATG comes out I think there's some apprehension I was a junior guy on a ship right oh they're there to observe us they're there to you know but they're also there to train and like how do you see it and how should junior people see it so that's definitely the priority um, our stereotype back in the day used to be known as the afloat well. Anyone want to fill in the next? Terror group. Okay. Yeah. The terrorist group. Um, you fill in that horrible, bl- horrible blank, and that's definitely who we are not, right? We are here to train the fleet. We are here to get every sailor, every piece of equipment on board, um, not the equipment itself, but the, trailer, the sailors trained to make sure they handle their equipment in accordance with. Um, And then we assess what we train. Um, Because why? Because right across the water here, 
folks are standing by and we need to be fully yep. ready, fully equipped, fully trained and then certified to go out there for that fight and handle that fight and come back winning that fight. Oh, you are absolutely all correct. over it. This, this is the only place in the world where you set sail. And as soon as you get out of the bay, you're there. You're there. You are there. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's that's ATG's primary goal is to get our brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, or you name it, uncles, cousins trained and ready for the fight and come back um listen we're realistic we know we go to this fight everyone is not going to come back right but atg wants to make sure that we train um and fully equip equip as as much as possible right for, that's our hand in that right for any fight right? any fight they're ready to do the best that they can with what they have right with the support and the training again um that atg can provide to the waterfront the fleet that's our our focus we're not there to be terrorist groups we're there to train and support absolutely the the you know i love making that connection between the larger kind of geopolitical stuff down to the average person and i mean i think you know sometimes i mean we've all been underway right like it's it's nonstop, right? And and sometimes when you're, you know, the E2 who's chipping paint, right, you you don't necessarily feel that you're connected to some larger geopolitical event, but you are. You are. You are 100% part of this much bigger picture. Absolutely. And, um, and you know, I, I ATG is a big part of that. Like, when they come out there to train you, to assess you, like – that's what they're doing. They're making sure that you're hitting those that baseline yes. to be able to yes to do what you need to yes. do, right? And by the way, we assess what we train. So, we're providing every part of that training so that we can assess that. We're not going to go in and assess something that we're not training to. And every single human being on that ship matters and is part of that training um, you know, part of that training plan, part of that program, part of that certification. Everyone matters on board. Absolutely. I, I love it. You sound really passionate about the command that you're at right I now. Do, I, love I it. do believe in what we do because I, 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 I remember that whole terrorist back in the day again, being in the Navy almost 27 years now. Um, that was the stereotypical. That's that what was that's what ATG was known for. Um, back being when we were junior sailors. Yes. Right. Yeah. And it was terrifying. And we're not here to terrify. We're here to support, train and do everything we can to make the fleet better. That's great. I mean, if I was a junior guy listening, that would make me feel very reassured. <laughs> so, and with that being said, yeah. if you are out there and you're looking to come, I'm going to do a recruitment plug. Hey, go for um, it. We're looking. I mean, we're at 50% manning, 50 to 60% manning. So if you are on that waterfront and you're getting ready to head to shore duty, reach out to ATG and um, come on over and be a part of the team so you can uh, do your part for the fleet as well. So most of your guys kind of deployable underway billets are first class and up if i'm not mistaken so yes i am a majority senior command so that's e6 and senior okay. um the majority of the command is chief senior chiefs master chiefs subject um, matter experts absolutely yep. the smes are on board uh are at atg got it um, and we're looking for you <laughs> one of the things i was going to say about atg and again i've been a customer of atg my entire career westpac specifically including debt sasbo and um you know it's probably the same way if you're in Mayport or if you're in San Diego, but my experience is here. And what I love about ATG Westpac is that uh, these sailors that you have, uh, these chiefs, these first classes that are coming out to train the fleet, they're typically from here. Right. And so 
they are doing their three years, six years, depending on the rating. They're out there in the South China Sea, all these places that we deploy to that I've spent a lot of time of my career in. And then when they leave, they go to ATG and it's fresh on their memory so they can go out to those sailors and say, hey, I was just there. Yes. Let me tell you my experience. This is why it's important. And I know that, you know, you and, and, and your CEO, your CEO and, and your CEO before that. Yes. Um, were uh, seven fleet sailors. Right. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they knew that life. And I think that that's important. Right. Um, some people talk about, oh, you shouldn't homestead. We need, we need, we need like fresh ideas. I don't know, man. Like, you ask me, I, I want people that know this AOR. That's who I want training sailors on those ships. They're going out to do the hard job. I don't need somebody. Sorry, I don't need somebody from Norfolk coming to tell me on business. Like, when's the last time you were in the South China Sea, buddy? Right? You know, this is true. Now, while I will say we will take them now if there's <laughs> yes. let's not go on and knock it. However, I absolutely agree that that waterfront experience here in this AOR is absolutely a, a priority, and it's it's definitely something that you can't get again from a Norfolk sailor unless they've been here um, in their past, uh, you know, duty stations. But definitely, again, that recruitment plug. If you're out on that waterfront, come on over to ATG for you sure. You heard it here first. Yes. Um, it's one thing I love about Seventh Fleet, and I love being out here. It's there's so many people who love Seventh Fleet, and and Japan, the AOR specifically, that that just they 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 have a real passion for being out here. And yeah, there's a lot of love, man. I, I you know I did my whole career here, and I never would have had it any different. So. Um, I know we got another another group of uh, command master chiefs coming in, but before we go, while we're while we're having fun here, um, what? So someone just got off the plane. They got here to Yokosuka. They got to their first first command. They're a brand new sailor, right? They're they're. We know all the things that they need to be doing. Their chief's taking care of them. What is the first? liberty thing that they should go out and do in this wonderful country that we're in there are absolutely too many to name but i would say go out and experience the culinary delights oh yeah of of japan right stay away it it, it does nothing but frustrate me to no end like back when i was cmc of the ship we'd pull into a foreign port where do my sailors go the mcdonald's bar. mcdonald's <laughs> burger King. stay away from those places right go get you some good ramen right ramen. good sushi you know yakiniku yakitori oh, yeah. go get some you know cultural delicacies and experience the place you're going to be living for the next three four five years yep Good, good. I would definitely say leave the base. There's some that I've spoken to that are They never just, leave, right? What, what are you doing? <laughs> Get out there and explore, please. There's so much to see and do. Yeah, for me, um, I mean, I, okay. Just go to Enoshima. It's easy. Oh, yeah. It's easy. You're in Yokosuka. I'll tell you how to get there. You ready? All right. Grab a, grab a, grab a pen and paper. Everybody ready? Okay. Grab it. All right. You got it. Okay. It's easy. Walk over to the JR station. Take the JR line to Ofuna. That's O-F-U-N-A. You get to Ofuna, you're going to get on the monorail. It's at the same station. Take the monorail all the way to the end. When you get off of that, walk toward the beach, and you're at Enoshima. And I'll tell you, man, it's like probably 45 minutes to get there. 
once you get over to the island, there's a bunch of little food vendors, different things. Uh, there's some great Italian restaurants. There's the eggs and things out there. Um, red lobster. There's a red lobster down <laughs> in Zushi. But, uh, but once again, don't, don't, don't shy away from the cultural <laughs> yeah. delicacy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I will say, if you don't understand what CMC House said, um, I pronounce it Inoshima. Yeah. So um, <laughs> that or Inoshima is the same same. Well, all right. That about does it for part one of our Command Master Chief's Corner episode. Uh, stand by for part two, uh, the next episode. That one is uh, is also a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to have uh, Commander 7th Fleet, Command Master Chief uh, Field, and Destroyer Squadron 15, Command Master Chief Wallace, uh, as well as Command Master Chief BG uh, sticking around and uh, joining in the conversation again. So as always, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. The Giant Voice Podcast is a production of Commander Fleet Activities Yokosuka Public Affairs Office. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the policy of the Department of the Navy or Department of Defense. Thanks for listening.